As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going? We don't need roads. Everybody and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I am your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and we have a very special episode of the show for you today. Today, I talk to AJ Lacasio. AJ Lacasio is the voice of Marty McFly in Telltale's Back to the Future, the game. Now, some of you may have not played the game, and if you haven't, you need to hear how insanely on point this man's impression or impersonation is of Michael J. Fox and Marty McFly. It is phenomenal, like like on the next level. And he does a lot of great impressions, and um, you have to go seek it out if you have not played Back to the Future of the Game. Just go on uh, YouTube, put his name in, you'll hear it. He is phenomenal. I can't even stress it so much. So, Today, we're going to be talking to AJ Lacasio. We're about to talk to him here right now. We're going to talk about how he got casted in the game, his experiences with Christopher Lloyd, um, his, his um, you know, reaction, the fans' reaction to his performance, and much, much more. So check it out right now, AJ Lacasio on Back to the Future, the podcast. AJ Lacasio joins me right now. AJ, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Good. Uh, thank you for doing the show. Welcome to Back to Future, the podcast. Um, so many questions for you. Uh, you know, you are the voice of Marty McFly in the video game, Back to the Future, the video game. Still kind of crazy for you, I'm sure, uh, that <laughs> you were the voice of such an iconic character. And really the only, the second well, you're the second. I get. Well, I guess there's the animated series, but you're one of the only, the very few people to portray the character, and uh, you know. So we're going to talk about all that. But let me ask you this first: um, How did you get started in you know in acting? Um. Huh. Oops, I just kicked something. Sorry. Uh, so I. Uh, how did I get started? I don't really know. I mean, I, I used to do plays as a kid. I, I used to make movies with my dad's old camera that I wasn't supposed to do. So you know, I sort of fumble around my yard and, and, and act for, for fun as a kid. But I guess when I went to film school is when it sort of started to kick off where I, you know, I went to school for directing. And so it, it sort of just became natural for all of my friends and I to just cast each other. Cause we were like, Oh, screw it. We'll just, you know, we'll act in it. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, my friends kept asking me to be in more and more things. So it was something that just kind of became very familiar, but it wasn't, specifically an ambition. Um, even when I got cast as Marty, it wasn't something I was aiming to do. So it was just kind of, I guess Marty almost started it in a way, uh, as far as it becoming professional or becoming a, a career option. 
So there, there really wasn't any like when you were a kid with everything you ever thought about. Like, man, I, I like grow up and, and be in movies or, or do film, or, or and then I guess the follow up would be why go to school for directing and not acting. <laughs> Um, well, I think it was sort of, it was really frowned upon in my family to do acting. There was sort of a really weird, uh, I guess stigma or, um, people were just, they, they were like, nah, you'll never make a career out of that. You'll, you know, you'll be a loser and you'll, you know, it was very, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they were, they were really, um, negative about becoming an actor. So, uh, I mean, I was very interested in film and writing, and it's something I still do, and I enjoy making stuff. So that just kind of seemed like a natural fit, and my parents weren't still thrilled about me doing that, but at least it seemed a little more solid to them. So, um, yeah, that kind of... It, it was kind of me keeping a safe distance, you know what I mean, I guess. But I also wasn't necessarily willing to admit to myself that I even wanted to act. I was... I imagined it as a little kid. I think we all sort of fantasize about like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to be, you know, Indiana Jones or Marty, whatever it is. And, um, but I never really considered it was a, it was a viable option. Well, it's interesting. So you're saying that your, your family kind of wasn't the most supportive for a career in entertainment. What, what does your folks do for a living? Uh, well, my dad's a financial planner <laughs> and okay, uh, there, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> My mom does real estate, uh, and she helped my dad build the, you know, the financial planning empire, and then they got divorced, and now she does real estate. So it's kind of very sort of cut and dry, you know, uh, careers, and which is funny because secretly, deep down, my mom wants to be a singer and would only sing like alone in the car, but that was her secret ambition. And my dad has tried stand-up comedy, he's tried writing, he's tried acting, he but always kind of kept it as like, ah, that's stupid. So it's kind of you know, the burden's kind of on my shoulders to go, no, this isn't stupid. I'm going to actually try this and, and see if it works. So it's, it's kind of funny for a financial planner to secretly want to be an actor. And, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it sounds, it sounds like a, the plot to it, to a movie. Um, you know, so it's interesting though, that, that your parents had that ambition, you know, even if it's a hidden ambition an ambition nonetheless to be in entertainment. So maybe, maybe that's kind of what pushed you that way. Um, when when you were young though, and um, and Back to the Future was obviously already around. It was already a thing. It was a it was a part of your existence, is what you told me before. It was a part of your existence. Do you though have any any memories though of of Back to the Future as a child? Do you remember sitting watching it with a particular family member? Was there a particular scene that stuck out to you that or a quote that you would like to say all the time? Was there anything about the movie from an early age that stuck out to you? Um, huh. Well, I, I, and I've said to you this, this to you once in uh, a prior conversation that we, yeah, Back to the Future always kind of existed for me. So it's tough for me to pinpoint a specific, it was always just sort of there. Um, but as far as the scene goes, uh, the, um, the scene where Marty does, uh, Johnny Be Good was like the scene to me as a kid. That was my ultimate like movie moment ambition like from that moment on it became my ambition to somehow replicate that scene in real life i remember in high school they were going to do an enchantment under the sea dance and i like oh really yeah they were gonna do it and then they decided last minute they're like no we're just gonna do a black and white scene which is the most the least creative thing i've ever heard it's if you've actually taken creativity out of the event but um (laughs) But yeah, so I was like lined up to to do that to perform Johnny Be Good, and they were gonna do a whole thing, and it was 
it was something that I was really fixated on because for some reason that not for some reason that, I mean, that seemed to me is the culmination of all of Marty's achievements and sort of, he becomes, he gets to exist because of that moment. I mean, it's one of the most magical movie moments in, in history. So to me, that sort of touched me deeply. And, um, so that was something I really fixated on. I, I learned guitar because of that scene. Like I learned how to play guitar because I loved that moment so much. And uh, yeah, it had a really big impact on me. Wow. So, so Back to the Future was more than just, uh, you know, just a movie. It was actually, you know, I think you told me before though, like Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, and was it Star Wars that were your big influences? Or there was, there was a third one, Jurassic Park. No. What was your third influence? Rocketeer. Okay. Oh, man. You know, enough, not enough people talk about Hook and how great of a movie that is. And uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman as, as Captain Hook is unrecognizable. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. You, you, I, I still, I mean, I know Dustin Hoffman as a, as a, you know, we all know him as an actor, but I still don't even see Dustin Hoffman in that character. He's just Captain Hook. And that to me is a perfect transformation. You know, it, it's, it's in, he's indescribably phenomenal. <laughs> he is so good. Yeah, I, I literally didn't know up until last year it was Dustin Hoffman. Somebody told me, a, a coworker of mine told me, and I was like, no, it's not. And then I went back and watched that movie that night, and I, can, I still cannot see him. I cannot see Dustin Hoffman. It is one of the craziest things. But yeah, so Hooks is one of those phenomenal movies that I just don't think gets talked about enough. And, uh, and The Rocketeer is a good one, too. Yeah, oh, I, love, I love The Rocketeer. It's funny how... I mean, all the movies that are the things that are more than movies to me, I saw, and I know this has something psychological. It, 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 within like the first five years of your life or something, there's the movies that you see sort of define you. And, um, and so Hook, Rocketeer, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, all those things hit at that exact moment. And so it was just like, well, that's who I am now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of that became a piece of my soul and uh, or my entire soul. Ninja Turtles, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, um, so you go from going to school to be a direct, you know, for directing, and you're, I, I'm assuming you're studying there. And what university was it? School of Visual Arts in New York. And then somehow you get, you catch wind that, the guys over at Telltale Games are putting together a Back to the Future video game. Is that right? Yeah. And then you have some inclination in you that maybe I could play Marty McFly. It seems kind of like someone who hasn't yet acted, you know, going to school for directing. It seems kind of crazy to say, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to be Marty McFly in that game. Somehow or another, I'm going to do it. So what was the story? How did, how did you get there? Um... So I was I was working in Queens at a uh, at a weird therapeutic resource center where they edit videos to educate um, people on how to deal with kids with autism and, and uh, it was a very strange sort of uh, detour after college and um, but it was editing and so I was like cool I'm using my you know my education to to actually work and make money and so I was just you know I had a lot of downtime there so I was browsing the internet and saw this telltale and announced. Um, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. And it's weird, actually, even talking about this, I remember the sort of the pang of excitement I got seeing that this was going to happen. And there was this very surreal feeling of like, this is, how are they going to do that? They can't turn Back to the Future into a video game. What, is Marty going to run around shooting people? Like, how is that possible? That's insane. So I, um, later that night, I, you know, I had to take a 
train back to New Jersey and I was thinking about it the whole way. I was listening to like the Back to the Future soundtrack and just sort of obsessing over how cool that is. And um, somehow my cousin called me and he, I think he called me because he's like, did you hear the turning back to the future in the game? And I was like, yeah, I, I did. And he was like, you should do the voice. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you should audition for the voice. And I was like, I, I don't have an agent. I don't have, he said, no, you should like contact them and, and, and try to audition. And I was like, okay. So I literally spun my car around. I was headed somewhere. Spun my car around, went back home and went on the computer and of contacts. And, um, I called the first one on the list, which was Rhoda, uh, who, who was, I think in a cat, I can never get right what she does now, but I, I owe my entire career to her. And she, uh, she got my message, which is me basically being like, hey, my name is AJ. You know, I, I do Marty McFly's voice. And I, and I did a whole thing where I was basically saying, like, I'd really like to audition. If you don't already have Michael J. Fox lined up, I'd love to be considered as a, you know, as a sound alike or whatever. And um, so I think like the next day or very soon, I either got an email or a call. I don't honestly remember saying, like, can you send us an MP3 of your audition? So I ran to EB Games and I got a back when EB Games was still was still a thing. Was still um, a thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I got a rock band mic that I taped to a paint can, and uh, I my first audition was through that. And by the way, that rock band mic I took with me for like another like six. I used that for like so many auditions. I got my current agent with that with that rock band mic. It went very far. Um, and so uh, I sent it in. And they were like, okay, thanks, and didn't hear anything back for like three or four months and in that time i was new jersey and new york just wasn't doing it for me anymore i was really depressed i was really lost you know i was like i just went to school for film what am i doing here and um mine was like hey i need a roommate in 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 la so i was like all right so i packed up my car and i drove across the country um and i i moved in with, with my friend and i got a call like that week that was like hey it's between you and one other person can you send another audition in? So I did. Didn't hear anything back for a little bit. Uh, by the way, the whole time I'm freaking out. <laughs> Not only did I just yeah, really city, but then I get that news and I'm like, oh my God, this could change my life. This and I was like, I couldn't sleep. I was dreaming that, you know, I was like, oh my God, what if I got to do something with Christopher Lloyd? Like, it, it, there, it, there was nothing cool about how I reacted to all this. It was all with a really big Back to the Future fan would react, where I just like, I, I like could hardly eat I could hardly function. I was just obsessively thinking about how incredibly cool this was. So then I got the call that I got it, and I, you know, I, I basically turned into a, a puddle of nothing. I was just, uh, I was so excited. And um, a couple weeks later, they flew me up to do my first session, and uh, it was, it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> I can't even imagine, you know, getting that new. The thing with it would haunt me though is to know that I'm. It's down to me and one other person, and I would think the entire time, oh, the other person's definitely getting it. Nothing like this is going to happen to me. Did you have that feeling? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was all I could think about. I was like, they've got a real professional voice actor. So someone that's probably been doing this for a long time, who has an agent, who's established, who they know they can rely on. You know, someone who has a track record. Why the hell would they? Why would they pull some kid from New Jersey? I'd be like, sure, he's he's good enough. Like, I had no prior, didn't ask for a, you know anything other than just here, do this audition with some original lines. It was like a page of lines, and uh, they rolled the dice. And so I remember when I got up there, you know, I, I was 
this is another thing where like I hadn't eaten in like days because I was so nervous. You could see in that interview with me, I look like garbage because I haven't slept. I got a really bad haircut. Like part of my hair is like green screened out too. Uh, you know, I woke up at like three in the morning to catch a plane to go up. Like I, I was just a total wreck. And they're like, we're going to interview you today about this. And I was like, okay. Um, and, uh, so I, the, they told me years later, my friend, uh, Dennis, who was the director on a lot of this, he was like, you know, when you did your first take, it was terrible. And we all looked at each other and we went, Oh no. And they were like, but then you did this weird thing where they were like, Hey buddy, can you like try that again? Maybe like bring it up a little bit higher. You sound a little tired. And I was like, Oh, okay. And they said, you just sort of like adjusted your posture and then nailed it. And we all went, Oh my God, thank God. What he said was we all like breathed a sigh of relief. Because we were like, okay, thank God. We didn't just make the biggest mistake in the world. So, <laughs> which, is, which is really funny to hear now. At the time, I would have probably thrown up. And so they were like, that was terrible. Never mind. And I would have you been, probably would have lost complete confidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no way they would have told me. But um, it, was, it was great to hear years later. I'm like, that's, so, that's kind of amazing to me that they had that moment and then that sort of turn. And I'm like, oh, that's great. So, um that was, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> no, you're fine. You know, you know, here's my question though now is, so you go in there, you do the auditions, they cast you, you're Marty McFly. My question is this, what makes a great Marty McFly impression? Because most people I hear who are Back to the Future fans, they do like a doc. You know, doc is pretty easy to do or a biff. How, how does one do a Marty McFly impression? What are all the things that go into it? Was it just something that kind of just... You just had that voice ingrained in your head, so it was easy to come. To, it was kind of natural, or was it something you really had to work at? Um, it's a weird combination of both. Like when I was in high school, I definitely leaned towards that sort of nervous, higher register. And uh, I used to teach gymnastics, and so when I was teaching, I was very excitable. I was working with little kids, so a lot of the stuff I was doing, I was like, "Hey, good job! You know, come over here and do this, and you know, run around." And kind of fell into this weird very Marty-like place. And um, there was also, I, you know, I was obsessed with Back to the Future. I had an orange jacket that I never actually wore to school, but I had the puffer vest. And, uh, you know, so it was something that I really internalized. And high school was not easy for me. It's not easy for anyone who has big ambitions and thinks that, you know, high school isn't the end-all, be-all. So I spent a lot of time sort of trying to figure out an idea. Actually, I admired Marty so much there was uh, there was sort of a need to kind of connect with him. And there was a sense of wanting to imitate sort of his actions and his mannerisms. Because to me, like between him and Indiana Jones is like where I see the ideal coolness, you know? So um, there was this need to sort of imitate him on some level to sort of just get through the, the social jungles of high school. And um, so it would sort of manifest in weird ways. I would almost use it as kind of a costume to get myself through just how much I hated high school. And uh, so it, it was a combination of sort of sounding a little bit like him naturally, plus wanting to emulate him in, in certain ways. So it, it just kind of kind of happened. And uh, as far as like what makes a good impression, it's it's hard because it's. I mean, it, it's just there's a sound to it. It's like music where you do. I, I taught myself how to play the harmonica after years of doing guitar because I I was obsessed with the Blues Brothers too. <laughs> And, um, I did that through just listening to pitches, you know, and, and hearing like tuning a guitar by ear. It's almost exactly the same thing. It's like, there's a sound that certain people make with their voice and 
kind of becoming in tune with what that sound is, is where that starts for me. It's not necessarily a specific noise or like a, like a key moment. It's like a whole uh, melody, basically. That makes complete sense to me. You know, I mean, when you're, <clears throat> it's funny when you're in music and, you know, yeah, I've done music too, is it's like, it's, it's somewhat easy. So if you play the guitars, a lot of people tell me, who my, my guitar player friends, my music friends, they say it's easy to pick up other instruments. You know, and you kind of, kind of go go to them naturally, like you're saying with the harmonica. So I'm assuming that background in music also, I mean, like you say, helped out with the impression. Here's my next question, though. I watched recently some for some reason my girlfriend and I have been you know really into Disney movies lately, like old school '90s, you know, and before Disney movies. And I watched this documentary that was about the making of Aladdin. And when I was watching it, I didn't realize uh, th- uh, this in an in animation. I didn't realize that, at least for that movie, they recorded all the audio first, and then they animated around it. My question is this. What what was the process like for the Back to the Future game? Were the scenes already, you know, already made? Were they already animated? And then you added the dialogue, or was it the other way around? No, it was... I think that was one of the, I haven't done a game or a TV show that's kind of been organized in the same way since. It was very weird. Um, it was just a list, like a list of like a thousand lines. And uh, we would do about a thousand lines per session or 800 to a thousand lines. And it was, it was just a list. Uh, and that was all I knew. It wasn't until like, I think my third or second or third uh, session that I started to maybe feel I don't remember really seeing anything early on, um, but there was nothing, you know, it was, it was literally just like a screen with a little bit of context. And for a lot of it, we would just guess, I mean, even the director and, um, you know, the sound guys would just be like, we don't, sometimes they would have to like call someone and be like, what is the context of this line? Cause it was all just very sort of laid out without any, sometimes, I mean, there was always a response or something from doc or a lead in line, but it wasn't like a full movie script. It was, uh, it was just literally a list, so it was a very, it was a very weird process. So, so you were just in the room, I guess, with the director, a, a sound editor, and it was just you. You weren't in there with any other actors. No, yeah, I was all, I was totally alone, which is, which is common for video games. I mean, it's not, um, you know, for for most video games, especially if it's something like a Final Fantasy or, or a, a shooter game of some kind, you're usually it's just a stuff. But because it was so narrative, um, I think that's where it was maybe a little weird to me is, is that it wasn't weird at the time. It was all I knew. But now looking back, I'm like, that's really interesting. We had so many interactions. Um, it was kind of, it was, it was pretty unique, but it worked. I mean, I, I, I liked the way it felt a lot. Uh, it was really fun to play off of Julian and uh, Dennis, uh, you know, who were directing me. So it was uh, a very fun process. So about how long from start to beginning or start to end did it take you um, to complete this game? I guess from from the moment you got casted to the moment the game came out, about how long was that process? Um, well, it was weird because it was episodic. So it was like, I would do like, a, what, uh, how, would, how would we do it? It was like once a month, they would fly me up there and we would set aside three days or so to do the sessions, but I only wanted to do, I just wanted to do it in one sitting. Cause to me, that was more fun and it was more interesting. So we would sort of break some rules and just do it all at one go. So we do like 800, you know, like I said before, like 800 lines, a thousand lines in like one session. And then 
and then we I get out for two days and and be around Telltale, which is really cool. But um, and then it you know they kind of sometimes there'd be some random stuff, but usually it was about once a month for like I want to say like eight or nine months, and um, it was pretty um consistent for like almost a year, and then plus all the promotion and stuff that came out. So it was like a very solid year of Back to the Future for me, which was awesome, you know. Uh, and it was it was very weird. It was very weird at the end of it to be so sad to realize, huh, well, that was unique. You know, I don't know if I'll get to do Marty again after that. It was sort of a very, it was very somber to be like, wow, what a whirlwind. And then suddenly that was all kind of uh, put to rest. But uh, it was, yeah, a very intense year. I can imagine. <laughs> No, 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 for sure. No, I mean, I can imagine that it was an intense year. So um, did you ever, though, get – because, you know, Christopher Lloyd does the, the voice in the game, correct? Yeah. So did you ever get any interaction with, with Christopher Lloyd, the great Christopher Lloyd, um, uh, at Telltale? Did you ever run into him anywhere? Yeah, we shared a bowl of edamame. Um, oh, I got to hear this story. It was very weird. It was very, very weird. We – so how do I – where do I begin this? They – so I was going in while he was leaving and, um, but they were shooting something, I think for spike, they used to have a show, some sort of game related show hosted by Jeff Keeley that was, um, you know, just about games. And so they were doing a segment. On and so they had booked our session together and, uh, there was some downtime between hands where I had watched him record, which was awesome. And then, uh, and then they got us Thai food. And so they sat us down at the, and I think they did this as kind of a Julian specifically, I think had something to do with this where they did it as kind of a joke almost where they set up our food at a tiny little table with a bowl of edamame in the middle, <laughs> kind of awkwardly placed together. And, um, and we were just sitting there eating and I was like, so you were in Roger Rabbit. Like it was just me being completely out of sorts because I didn't know what. I was like, are they ever going to make another Adams Family? Which is the dumbest, because I love the Adams Family, and I know there was a sequel and many others. I just panicked. But um, I don't think either of us knew whether the edamame was for him or for me. So I eventually like took one edamame and like looked at him, and he just didn't do anything. And I was like, okay, I guess this is for both of us. Um, and then I, Julian afterwards, uh, I was like, hey, did you do that on purpose? He's like, kind of. And I was like, my he was like, why, did you eat his edamame? And I was like, wait, <laughs> was I not supposed to? And he's like, no, I'm kidding. I got that for both of you. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank God. Um, but it was, very, it was a very weird interaction. And we get to, so while we were filming, we kind of did, we didn't get the same time, I honestly remember, but I know at some point I went in the booth and he was there and um, they had me do a couple lines for like the show and um, afterwards, I, which I was super nervous, I could see him, you know, he was watching me. And uh, I walked with the thing and he was like, wow, you sound exactly like Michael. And I was like, oh, oh, thanks. He's like, ah, it's spooky. I wouldn't believe it came out of your mouth. And I was like, oh, thanks so much. And um, it was really, it was really cool and really uh, overwhelming. And uh, especially since he's really shy. He's like a very quiet dude. So I, I was sort of over guessing what his reactions were, but he was just and, and taking it all in so uh very and i bumped into him like i want to say two or three times more after that and i became more comfortable and and so it was uh it was really cool 
Yeah, I mean that 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 that's someone who's definitely on my bucket list to meet and talk to. Um, so when the game came out originally, and, I, and I'll say this from my perspective, I remember I was like, okay, this is cool. Like I'm not big into video games, but I'm like, you know what? I'll play a Back to the Future video game. That sounds pretty cool. And I do remember hearing your voice for the first time, and I was like, wow. And I was I I mean I did I thought it was Michael J. Fox for the longest time. Until I found out, you know, it was you who did it. Um, and I thought you nailed it. I mean, I thought you nailed it perfectly. And my question is, what was the reaction like? Because here's the thing. Back to the Future is a loved franchise. And it's more loved than than a lot of franchises out there. You know, this is like, you know, for the fans of the, of the series, I mean, this is like Star Wars level love for these movies. So any... 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 Um, <laughs> anybody who's going to take on an iconic role like Marty McFly... I would think that you, you know, you'd have to knock it out of the park or the fan reaction would be unbelievably negative. So was that um, when it when the game was coming out, were you ever nervous? You're like, oh, my God, I hope people react well to this. I don't want to be killed every time I walk out, <laughs> I walk out my door. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. That's awesome. I, I it's uh, <laughs> I um, but yeah, I was. That was the big thing in my head. Not only was I like, oh, my God, I want to get this and I want to do it, but I kept thinking, I just need to make people believe that this is Michael J. Fox doing this. I'm not here for me. I'm not here for, you know, any of the glory other than what I can enjoy in the moment. But, like, this is about not, you know, I was basically, you know, ghostwriting or um, trying to just, you know, don't look at the man behind the curtain. And so there was, yeah, I was, I was super uh, nervous that people were going to burn me at the stake. Um, but you know, it's funny. I mean, it's been like seven years now and I was driving down the street the other day and I think back to the future popped up on shuffle or whatever it was. And I just thought to myself, I don't think I've ever heard a negative comment out of, you know, the years that have passed every single person that I've talked to about it across the board has been nothing but positive and complimentary, which is bananas. <laughs> you know, it's like totally crazy to me. Like what other thing in the age of the internet, has someone not just been completely torched by the fans, especially stepping into Michael J. Fox of all people's boots? Um, it was, it was, it was pretty astronomical how, you know, how positive everyone was. It was incredible. Even like Kevin Smith did a whole thing about it. He was like, this Miss Fly guy and did like a whole podcast about how much I sounded like Michael J. I mean, he said some other stuff that I won't repeat, but, um, he was, even he was impressed by it and had to talk about it on, on Smodcast. And I was like, that's, I think I've hit a nerve. Like, that's a, you know, I feel eternally grateful to Michael J. Fox for having similar vocal cords <laughs> to me. And, uh, and, and I hear a difference. I mean, I know I'm really OCD about getting it right and, uh, and about having all the lines down, the same rhythm and all that sort of stuff. And if it doesn't feel right, it, it you know, I'm, I'm a real sort of pain in the butt. I'm like, ah, can we try it again? I gotta, I know his rhythm. He would hit it like this. And so. It's sort of an up and down that I'm, I'm pretty obsessive about because he's so iconic. You have to honor that. What's cool, though, is is what I've seen is, you know, the fans of the series have always wanted a part four. I mean, that's what everyone's always wanted. I want to see an, the extension. And what I thought was really cool is, and I've seen this on YouTube, and I'm sure you have too, there are fans out there who've taken the scenes from the game and spliced them together like, like movies, like feature-length movies. And for a lot of people, this... Uh, Telltale Game and, and you as Marty McFly was the continuation for the series. Uh, did did you were you a fan of the actual story of the game? Yeah, I I remember going in there thinking how how the hell are they going to do this? I, I couldn't imagine 
that there was anything left to tell. And uh, when they told me the idea, I was like, oh, that's really cool. What a fun idea to go back and visit Doc as a kid. And it was brilliant. And I'm and I, not just saying that. Like, I genuinely thought, holy crap, they did it. They found something really fun and weird to, to riff on. Because, you know, the first three, the original Back to the Future movies are basically the same story told over and over and over. So they kind of did it. You know, there's a, there's a very sort of satisfying ending. It, it all fits within itself and it sort of parodies itself. And, um, and I think that they somehow found a way to pull it off within the game in, in a way that I don't think anyone else could have. I mean, we've seen their game since, uh, you know, Walking Dead, especially they have a very unique way of telling stories that that's why I think going in, I was like a video game. That's ridiculous. And, uh, they, they, I, you can't ask for better, especially when it comes to video games. Like, I don't think anyone else could have done it justice the way they, they did. No, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely, they, they definitely knocked it out of the park as far as the game goes. And just the, the like I said, the story of the game is awesome. Um, last couple questions for me. Uh, first off, uh, when the game came out, you got all this praise for it. People were complimenting you. Kevin Smith is talking about his podcast, you know, Christopher Lloyd saying you sound just like Michael. Did you ever, and have you ever since heard anything from Michael J. Fox? Not at all. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I know. It, it plagues me. Um, well, cause I, I, I mean, I know it's a bit of a weird thing to step into someone else's shoes and then imitate them. Sure. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's very strange, but, I know that he obviously knows it because we got to, you know, spoilers, but we got to sort of do that scene together. But um, there isn't, I, I've never heard anything directly, but I've been told from the uh, the director, uh, one of the directors, Dennis, that he he's aware of it, but that's as far as it, it went. Um, but yeah, no, I never got like a good job, kid, or anything. So I, I don't know. Maybe he hates me. Um, I doubt he does. He's, he's such a sweet guy. I doubt he does. But um, I... Yes, no, I don't. I don't have any actual confirmation of it. Which I would, hey, one day would be so cool to just know if he, you know, to acknowledge it as a, as a geeky fan. Not that I I need it necessarily, but just it's just such a cool thing to geek out over, um, and to thank him. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Is it's not so much about like recognize me and love me. It's more like thank you. I, you let me do this because he was busy on other stuff, and uh, it was so incredible to get to be able to sort of you know just sort of fill in his shoes. And then have him come in and sort of honor what we were doing with his own performances is is, is insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean that that's definitely a cool. So I, I guess that was the reason. So he was busy doing other things at the time, so that's why they had to cast someone as Marty. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but it, yeah, he was doing something in New York, and um, they even had to like fly the whole team out to like his apartment because he didn't have any time, and they had to like record I think in his apartment uh, or something. But he was just really busy with. I don't know whether it was a show or what. It might have been like the Michael J. Fox show or something, but something was going on at the time. So here's my final question for you, AJ. You know, there there are the the episodes of the video game, which, you know, people go get the game. It's, it's an awesome game. It's available, I think, on every platform there is. But uh, my question for you is, of the original three, the original trilogy, which one is your favorite and why? Oh, yeah, the first one. Why, why the first one? Just because it was just, you know, I, and I agree. The first one's the best one, obviously. I mean, it's a near-perfect film. <laughs> you know, there's nothing really to, to critique on, but why, why not the two or three? Well, um, I mean, I love, I love two and three. I love both of them. I just, two, one to me is such a perfect 
film. It's a perfect machine. You know, it does everything it needs to do so well. It doesn't hinge on anything else. It's just, it's so self-contained and so beautiful and so uh, brilliant as a standalone thing. There's, I mean, there's nothing else like it. I mean, you can look at any other movie in the history of movies, and there really isn't anything else like that first film. Um, I mean, it's it's so, I keep saying it, but like, it's so perfect. It's hard not to just worship it uh, for what it is. And I, I have nothing but incredible respect and awe for what they did in Back to the Future 2. I mean, to take a perfect movie and then make a sequel to it and then visit the first movie within the movie, it's brilliant. I mean, the second movie is brilliant. And then the third one to me is just another fun adventure with these people you love. And so they're all kind of, it's such, a, it's such an amazing trilogy because there's no, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people say a lot of negative stuff about the third one, but I don't quite see it because to me, I'm like, no, you get another adventure with Doc and Marty being hilarious and amazing. And there's action. And I, I think it's like the perfect third movie because they're just having fun. And uh, kind of like Last Crusade, where, you know, it's you're just having fun with a character and you get to explore what if, you know, like what if Indy had a dad or what if Doc fell in love. And it's so much fun to get to see those characters in different contexts. But the first one to me just does it. It just does it so well. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to disagree with you there. So, AJ, um, where can people find out more about you and stuff you got going on now? Um, the best way to follow me is on Twitter, just at... AJ Locasio. Uh, I have a Facebook fan page, but I don't ever update that thing. It's, it's a dinosaur. Um, it's also weird to have a fan page. I didn't start it. Someone very nicely started it for me. And then I was like, Hey, can I take over? And then I just didn't really do much with it. But, um, yeah, Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. And soon there'll be some, some other cool things I got to talk about, uh, when the next like month, I'm not sure when this comes out, but, Maybe maybe I'll have talked about it by then, but uh, yeah, some, some exciting things, exciting projects coming up. Well, we'll be looking forward to it, AJ, and thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And that's AJ Locasio. Find out more about him. He's got some cool stuff coming out. AJ, thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Brian, what have you done now?